All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Live with the Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly. I'm your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am chatting with people who are shaping the Southeast wine industry. Today, I'm up in North Georgia mountains. I am sitting in the home of the owners of Yona Mountain Vineyards, and I am with their son. He is part owner slash general manager, Eric Miller. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm so glad to be up here in fresh air, and it's just a rainy but still beautiful day. So tell me what you do. I know you work with your family. So what do you do for the vineyards here? What do I do for the vineyards here? That's a good question. That's a good question. I like to say everything. So uh, as general manager, everything has to kind of go through me. So, I mean, everything from hiring to, uh, you know, setting the standards of what we want our staff to do to managing the managers, keeping my father happy. That could be a full-time job. Is it hard to do? Is it hard to keep him happy? Uh, I know what he likes now. So, I mean, as long as there's time to, you know, play some music once in a while, play live music every time we do a tour. So I'll play the drums and he plays the piano. Anything that is unique to what we do at the winery is that will make him happy. So yeah, any new ideas and all of the management of the entire facility. That's kind of what I do, I guess, to answer the question. That's all you do? That's That's everything? Oh, that's 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 nothing. No. So walk me through a regular day. So you wake up, are you in the tasting room with, is it the tasting room staff is kind of your management too? Or walk me through like in the morning, what does Eric do? (laughs) Well, I have three daughters who are under nine years old, uh, and I live in Flowery Branch, which is almost an hour away from me. Every day, there's the management of my home, which I feel like I do not handle well. Oh, there's life outside of vineyard management? Right. Okay. So I would come in. uh, My daily thing would be there's never the same day, depending on what's on the schedule that week. That's the fun thing I like about this industry is that there are no two days alike. I mean, I used to teach drums and percussion. I taught for 20 years. You know, every day it was slightly different, right? Because you were teaching, you have a goal, and you have to achieve something. Here it's just, what's the next thing on the agenda? Do we have a wedding this weekend? What are the events this week? Every Tuesday we have a staff meeting, and I kind of made that up to make sure communication is, um, I think it's one of the most important things, is the staff and the management and the owners and everybody has great communication. So we actually set up just a weekly staff meeting every single Tuesday morning because you never can keep up with every single aspect. There's like four or five different businesses in this business. You know, so we'd get the winery update, we get the vineyard update, we get the marketing update, we get the wedding update, then we get the in-house event update. Then we talk about what wines we're going to release, when are we going to release them, what's the next event that we're about to do. You know, usually there's the Bob recap of uh, every weekend we do some Saturdays and Sundays are our biggest days, right? So Saturday, it's always, we go from maybe 80 to 100 people will show up on a Wednesday to Saturday. It'll be anywhere from 300 to 1,000 people show up, right? So Saturdays are just nuts. And then we'll all go through the numbers. Well, how did we do? How are the sales? Should we create an incentive? Should we, uh, you know, market something more? How's the social media looking? So every single Tuesday, it's kind of a, a recap about everything. And then the staff will talk about, well, here's what we need to order. Here's the thing running low on or that we should get, or here's something new. And uh, in the last month and a half, it just pulled the trigger on uh, just an entire new point of sale system. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, because I'm. you say that, but then I'm thinking... There's a lot that goes into that. There's training and a whole learning curve involved with the entire staff. But 
hey, if it was worth it in the long run, I trust your judgment on this. Yes, yes. So, we, I mean, we had had the same point of sale system for the last eight years, and we're all Macintosh. Like, we use all Macs, like I have iPhones and the entire system. Like, we can turn on the lights and turn on the security and look at the cameras, and everything's through like an iPhone app. And well, the old system was more of just a general retail, and it wasn't very winery specific because there wasn't any winery software 10 years ago. There was just general, oh, here's a retail store software thing and uh, that worked for Mac, and that's what we used. It was called Lightspeed, and so we did all this research. Russ was integral in like vetting everything, and so he's like, all right, I just took eight sales calls from eight different crazy point-of-sales systems. And uh, so we, we uh, honed in on the one we have now. It's called Orderport. Everything is on iPads. So in the last month, it's like, okay, what do we got to do to get our 800,000 historical transactions into our new system? Uh, we got to get iPads. We got to train everybody how to do it. We got to make sure the wine club still works. We got to learn all the shipping, all the... So there was all the licensing. And that was just one of the underlying current things on top of all the normal stuff that's going on, right? <laughs> yeah, like you said... There's the training part and we, we roll it all out and we'll type up all the notes and I'll slack it to everybody. And all right, here's everything that you need to know. Here's the videos everybody needs to watch. We'll do it together. And then, you know, nobody watches it. And they're like, how, how do you, why isn't this? I'm like, oh God, you didn't re watch the video, right? And so that's one of the things that's been new going you on. You really are a general manager of all the things. Were you in management before the winery? Like what were you doing before you joined the family business? Or were you always in the business? Sort of always in the business, right? When they started, it was I wasn't officially on, but I I, uh, I was just the official problem fixer, right? Their dad's like, I, I think we're going to plant some vines and we're going to start this thing. I was like, oh, that sounds easy, right? Wine, it's only a 10,000-year-old industry. How, how hard could it be, right? So, like, if, you know, when they started and they, they had the winemaker and they had, like, one or two employees and uh, something would break. And so I would have to come up and I would try and fix whatever it was that was broken, either their computer system or they're talking about staffing and stuff like that. My former career was teaching uh, music. So I actually have a music ed degree from Georgia State. But as I've gotten older now, I'm like in my mid 40s, I've learned that dad and mom basically groomed me from birth to manage people and just like be uh, um, facility managers right? And event coordinators and just people management. And from his old career, they were in sales and they did all these things. And for me, growing up from when I was two to five years old, we would always have to play music in front of whoever came to the house. And as that business kept getting bigger, it'd be like, oh, well, there's 10 people coming over today. Oh, Eric and my sister would have to play. We had to play piano and uh, just every single time. So from birth, we were always on stage. Right. And so there was that aspect of it. And then as the company got bigger, more people would come over. There'd be 50 people, 100 people. We would have a thousand people come over about every three or four months. And I would just be like, I'd help. Oh, well, we got to go get the cookies and we're going to go do this thing. And here's lemonade and water. And, uh, and it was like I had no idea that that was like a rep repeatable skill. <laughs> you were in training. You just didn't know you were in. Training. We had no idea. So we had no idea our entire childhood was like we could just host thousands of people like it was no big deal you know like people talk about their biggest fear is you know dying or speaking in public and it's like not even a thing for me like that's like you want to go talk to the uh 3, people and i was like yeah sure give me the mic and 
I don't even plan it. And I'll just go and start talking in front of people. And I have no fear that we've been basically groomed to do this forever. And we had no idea. So wine is easy. You start talking, you're selling booze. People are like, yeah, I want to come. Let's sell some booze. You got booze? Oh, and the booze is good. Wow. That is like the easiest sales thing in the entire world. Having a good product and people want to buy it. Right. And then you're just kind of facilitating that transaction. That's all we're doing, yeah. right? There's like five things that never go out of style. And it's one of the things that never go, you know, like if the economy crashes, people still drink. If they are having a great day, people still drink, right? And dad said, if we're going to do this, I want to have world-class products. Everything, all the money went into the how good the product is, how good everything about it is, the winemaking techniques, the ingredients, the French oak. Everything about it is we want to be, we want to raise above the standard. And so that's what we did from day one so that we don't have people just coming in and like, well, it's Friday night. I want to get drunk. Like that's not our clientele at all. We have people who actually appreciate wine. They come to a beautiful place to experience a relaxing atmosphere and a high quality product. And then they can bring it home. And then, you know, the, the more finer refined part of the pleasure industry is, is where that's kind of our market share. So how often do you get people from like that travel to North Georgia as a destination? Are you getting people from just the local area, Atlanta? Where are some of your other markets? You I mean, you have a wine club too. So like, tell me kind of your, your demographics of who is coming to you in a mountain. Okay. Our number one market is Atlanta. So number by hands down. So Atlanta is the number one place. Our second biggest draw is from Florida. Wow. Which is interesting. Driving, right? like driving up from Florida. Driving up from Florida. So Florida people are tired of the beach, right? And everyone here and, you know, in Georgia and we're like, oh God, all I want to do is go to the beach. And everybody in Florida is like, you know what? Forget the beach. Like I want to go see a mountain. So we have a lot of people driving up from coastal regions to come and visit the mountains because it's not, it's not something they have. This is the vacation from the beach. Correct. Now you have the wine club. Walk me through what that entails. Are you shipping wine to folks across the country or is it like a quarterly thing or what's the, <laughs> what's the wine club? Cause I know that's a lot of work to manage. It in is. General. It is. So it, the funny, it's funny you ask that because with this new point of sale system, we're now expanding and going to create a second whole club. So our original club, We just call it the Yona Mountain Wine Club, and there's no fee to join, and all you have to do is buy wine to get in, and you have to promise that you will buy wine like a certain amount a year. Like the Bronze Club, you got to buy eight bottles within a calendar year, so from January 1st to December 31st. you got a whole year to do it. And that can be any bottles of your your selection of your portfolio. Correct, correct. All right, Mm -hmm. so eight in a year for bronze, 12 in a year for silver, and 24 within a year for gold, and then you get... 10% 10% or 15% or 20% discount off of any wine you purchase, any glass of wine. You get a free tasting whenever you show up. You get a free cave tour whenever you want to come. Even the Gold Club, you can bring two people and do the cave tour for free. So dad always wanted a club that was different from all the other Napa wineries. Like he wanted it to be more of an interactive thing. And when we were smaller, it was perfect because you had to come back and say, oh, let me come back and pick up my wine and everything. So now we want to add a subscription-based wine club model, right? And that's what most of the wineries in the world do. It's like, oh, you got to get in the wine club just to get the wine. Now with our new system, it kind of does it automatically. It actually manages it. Whereas before we had a person like physically managing every single person, like pulling up their receipt and seeing if they bought something. It was very 
labor intensive. Very labor intensive. But also a lot of wine clubs, you have to be shipping it. And I don't know, I was managing our wine club at a winery and I was physically putting tape on hundreds of boxes. So it is not an easy thing, but I think once you get it, it is really beneficial from the business standpoint. And can you ship to any state? You have to get a license for each state. Each state is different. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's an annual license and there's a fee. So right now we just ship to the contiguous states around us, the Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, I think Texas, California, basically those states right around us. And we can ship anywhere in Georgia. Yeah, basically whenever we have more customers that want us to ship to a state, like there's going to be a certain level, like if there's 10 or 20 or 30 people, then yeah, then we'll get that license and we'll be able to ship to that state. But right now it's mostly Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. This is really interesting. So I I think it's fun when I'm talking with someone like you who is with people all day, you are really bringing that hospitality side to it. What are you drinking in terms of wines that you that you enjoy? Like, are you going to neighboring Georgia wineries? Are you shipping wines here to Georgia that you drink? Like, you're often giving wine to people. So what wines are you consuming? That Well, you know what? That's a great question. Since we drink our wine at least once a week, every single wine, Right on Tuesdays, usually the wine winery meeting is what's all the wine are we drinking right now? What are we about to release? Um, and you know, dad is obsessed with blind tasting. So whenever we taste our wine, we're pulling out one of his wines every mm-hmm. single time. So for reds, like every Tuesday, we're going to try every single thing and then dad will pull it out. And now as I've been getting older, my palate is changing. And now for whatever reason, I'm way into whites. And I love trying new whites. And um, first it was like Chardonnay. We all love Chardonnay. We loved oaky, buttery Chardonnays. And, you know, now as we progress, it's like, oh, well, you know, a little steel, like a little drier Chardonnay, uh, not malolactic. Those are nice too. And uh, even in the last three years, Viognier has now been something that I really like. And I started a whole new project just two months ago um, with dry Rieslings. Oh, perfect. And I was like, everyone's talking about dry Rieslings in the wine world. And I was like, we don't have any of them. And I know generally people think about Rieslings. Oh, they're sweet. And that's what they use as a standard. Oh, do you have anything like a Riesling, you know, that's sweet? And we're like, no, we don't. We have all dry. We're 100% vinifera. But we have uh, some friends that own wine shops and they're always our go-to people. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try dry Rieslings. And he's like, I got you. And he sent eight different dry Rieslings, like all from Germany He goes, these are some of the best. And here's some from 2001, 5, 8, 11, 17. And he tried, and he gave us the whole gamut of uh, dry Rieslings. And he said, these are the ones considered sweet and then off dry and then dry. So we're learning all about it. And I bring it all in. And I was like, all right, dad, let's try these. And we we lined them all up. We had nine and we ranked them. We said, okay, out of these nine wines, what do we like? And that's how we make any new wine. And that's what we do here. I was like, if we're going to do a Viognier, Let's try all the best Viennese. And that's what he did with all the Pinots and the Cabernets and uh, Cabernet Francs and all the reds dad loves. So now I'm doing it with the whites. And so we've got a, a new Viennese coming out. Ooh, is it one that's grown here? Where are you getting the Viennese grapes? Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's we're getting Viennese from California. From California, okay. The best Viennese we've ever had is um, Dariush. Awesome. If you've never had a Dariush Viennese, it'll like, it'll... I have not, I but I'm seeing more Viognier in California every time I go out there. So I'm seeing that a lot. That's so we, tr- we try them at all the different places. I mean, Joseph Phelps and all the high-end Napa wineries. And I, I think mom and dad mentioned it. We're going to Napa twice a year now. And we go and we meet all the growers and we talk to all the people and they love it. They love 
sending us grapes because they are all very proud of their fruit. Interesting. And so we're getting our fruit from Lake County. And so we're getting the same fruit that the Napa wineries are getting. And so whenever we want to try something new, like a Viognier or a Riesling, we go and we have a broker and she sets us up and she's like, I'm going to take you to the farm. Here's their wine. You can try everything. And then we see what we like, like what the fruit tastes like as fruit, what the wine they produce tastes like as wine. And you kind of get a baseline of what you can do with their material. And you're bringing the grapes in whole, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. You're bringing them to your facilities to process. So when people say, oh, but you're a Georgia winery, but you're mm-hmm. using California fruit, how do you kind of respond mm-hmm. to that and navigate that kind of balance between the two worlds? There, there's a huge discussion about that. We care about it, right? I mean, our whole goal is like, if we can grow everything here, we would do it. But Georgia is a very difficult place to grow vinifera. You don't say. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> you got to be at least a thousand feet above sea level. Napa has this unique climate where they don't get rain. And here we are like last year, record rain from the last century, 130 inches during the growing season. So we're not going to be like, here you go. It's Georgia fruit. And that's from day one. He said, if, if whatever we grow or what we make here isn't up to our standards, we're like, we're not going to sacrifice our quality. Luckily, we have made several, several years of fantastic fruit. Our Chardonnays, we can only really make a meritage, right? Because the the amount of fruit that we're growing in our reds, our Bordeaux blend, we make a meritage. We don't ever have enough to make a standalone. So we got to, we make our blend of what we've got and we make our meritage every year. And every year it's very good. And I think it's sets new standards for kind of a quality of Georgia fruit in, in our meritage. And Every year, it's been getting better and better. 16 has been the pinnacle because it was the driest, sunniest year we've ever had. They said best year in 100. And then 17 and 18, it was like downhill again. They're like, nope, we gave you 16. Like, we'll see you again in 2027. And so we, uh, I don't know, Bob, you mentioned, like last year, 2018 was the worst growing season we've ever had. We had 80% loss of fruit. And that was from wet, that was a wet, wet rain during, during harvest, not even during harvest, just in general, from the flowering. Like right now, if you look at our vines, the the leaves are just starting to come out. And right after bud break, the flowers come out and that's what forms the clusters of fruit. And that is their most sensitive time. They're very vulnerable at that point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And last year, Helen got that huge rainstorm and it was almost like hurricane like, and it knocked all those tiny little flowers off. The vines didn't recover and we had 80% loss. 80% loss in 2018. So when you do have a wine from Yona in 2018, just know the hardship that was involved to scrape that from the barrel, I feel, we, at this yeah. point. We did, yeah. We, we made a Sauvignon Blanc. We have an estate and there's 50 cases of it. Wow. I think that's iconic. I think it's going to be the iconic 2018 hardship year. But from a business <laughs> standpoint, there are very few industries that have to go and think that, that that much loss in one season. I mean, out of your control, like completely out of your control. Right. And let's all remember that wine comes from the earth to to begin with. Right. So it's a right. good reminder of that. Now, do you travel for wine? Do you go to other regions? I mean, you go to Napa. Have you been any other world wine regions? Do you like traveling for wine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, it's fascinating because dad loves to take club members and us on family trips. And we try to do these wine trips. And about every other year we go to Napa and then every other year we go on an international trip. So we've been to France twice. We've been to Italy twice. They just went to Australia with without me. So they went to Australia and New Zealand and they went to all the wineries and all this stuff. So when we go and we know we like something that's high quality, all right? And then you start learning from, you start there and then you back up and he's like, oh, well, here's 
ancient winemaking techniques. This is where this has come. This is why this happened. Napa started blowing up in the 60s, and now here they are today, one of the biggest regions in the world. And um, that made me go to, like, the, the sommelier class, the intro class, which blows one's mind. <laughs> it really does. There's, like, a book this thick, and they go through, and they talk about it. But the funny thing is less than 1% of the entire class is about production or how to make the wine or what you do it, which is everything I knew. Everything else there is about service and it's about learning and history. And this is all the four languages you have to learn. So when we went and you go as a producer is what they call them in Europe. And they look at people who produce wine like they're special. We had no idea. And, you know, we're just us, right? And like, we like everybody. We treat everybody the same. And so our tour guide was a master of wine. And so she is very reverent with the wineries. The family has owned this for 18 generations and no one ever gets to meet the winemaker, but you guys get to meet the winemaker. And we're like, hey, we grow wine in Georgia. They're like, Georgia, like, where is that? <laughs> like, y'all come over sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I had to come up with my own phrase to explain where Georgia was. I was like, you know where Disney World is? They're like, ah, yes, Disney World. I was like, it's north. It's north of Disney World. So every time we went to a new winery, we'd meet these super famous people. And we would sit here and talk about things that they had no idea about. In France, they've been making wine and growing grapes in those regions for hundreds of years. So it's a law. They can't experiment. They can't try something new. They can't say, oh, I want to grow a Viognier this year. Like, nope. They have to grow what they have and be what they are. And there's something beautiful about that too. It really is oh, like, yeah. you know, we, you'd go to that world-class region for that type. But I do think that Georgia, and I guess that's what I was going to ask you too, mm -hmm. like comparing yourself to other world-class regions, that is probably something that is really neat. The variety of wines that you potentially could produce on this property mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is exponential. Like you could, you could literally one day decide I want to, and you were even purchasing grapes. So you could purchase like whatever you wanted and yep. try to make your Georgia spin on it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably something pretty unique about Georgia wine country. It is. Absolutely. And that's that's where I was leading to is we have the freedom to do that. There's no historical reference here. I mean, I know the history of Georgia used to have 20,000 acres of vinifera. That was 100 years ago. And then prohibition happened. And now there's still only about 250 acres now. From 20,000 to 200, we're pretty much open to do anything. And so Whereas France and Italy and Spain and all of Europe, they know exactly what grows well. Everybody in Georgia is like, well, let's try it. Everybody, it's an experiment. So every and every row that we have, every hill is a different microclimate. And those are the other things, you know, uh, we reference when we purchase grapes, you know, when you purchase a vine, you got to tell them what kind of rootstock you want and what kind of clone. Again, everybody's guessing. OK, well, when will we know? They're like seven years. And that's the best guess given right now. Well, that's is the there is there a statewide organization in Georgia that helps with that? Like, I'm asking this as a point. I feel like, is it is it next? Do you think that'll happen as a statewide support for kind of the agriculture side of winemaking here? It's funny you mention that because uh, three years ago, we helped facilitate that. It was a friend of mine. He, he was our marketing guy before he moved back to Boston. His name was John. John and I talked about we need a statewide organization, and we hooked up with uh, Emily DeFore, who was formerly at um, Habersham, and we said, there's no support here in the state. Uh, there's all these different wine regions. There's southern Georgia, which does nothing but muscadine. There's middle Georgia, which is a different region. They kind of do some vinifera and most muscadine. And then there's north Georgia, where we mostly do vinifera. When we first started this whole thing, there were six wineries 10 years ago. Now there are 28. Wow. Right? And- 
there's more of a communal help. And so John had his former job was in the, the Georgia Department of Economic Development, which is tied in closely with agriculture and tied in with tourism. And wineries have this agro-tourism thing. And we're like, why don't we have an agro-tourism department pushing for wineries? So three years ago, we hooked it all up and we said, all right, let's form this thing. And John got his contacts and we got with Emily. She did m- most of the work. Like we, we kind of all got together. We had this idea and I'm like, why don't we just do this? And Emily's a doer and she got it all together. And so she formed, we all formed, there's a bunch of people that did it, formed uh, Georgia Wine Producers. So it's about, this is the third year in its existence. So GWP is the first statewide Georgia wine That's fantastic. It's the whole thing. So we just started that like three years ago. Emily's president. And there, you know, you got to make it up. You're like, well, what should we do? You know, the first people are like, let's get money from the government. Other people are like, no, let's change the taxes. I don't know. Other people are like, let's just focus on education and let's get University of Georgia person to come in and uh, form a new position where they just talk about viticulture. And so that was some of the first things that the North Georgia people were working on. And once GWP got together, it all kind of happened at the same time. So they put a person in place in North Georgia and nobody really agreed on what the first priority should be. Now they're a lot better at it. Now there's like, okay, here's our five-year plan. And to answer your question, that's in there is we should have someone or some kind of assistance program to walk people through. How do you start a winery? What are the 15 licenses you got to get? Who do you got to talk to in the state? county, federal government, all this stuff. No, Every single person who started a winery just had to like figure it out. My mom, when they started 10 years ago, she literally went to downtown Atlanta and sat in someone's office until they like gave her the alcohol license. It, that's a big can of worms you open there. but No, I think it's really important. <laughs> I, I, I asked this because of the Southeast market as a whole, and there are definitely states producing. And it the ones that I've seen that have the state level support have that really cool tourism huge. aspect. It's huge. There's a, there's a Virginia wine marketing office in the state, uh, in the tourism bureau. Yes. And like, so it, it offers the statewide support, the website, everyone's got their own section on the website for, you know, they can go in and update. So I just see that. And I wondered what was going on in Georgia. Yeah. So thank you for organizing this sure. group. I think there's a lot ahead. Mostly so, Emily. I mean, I didn't really organize well, no, well, visionary <laughs> and a teamwork support of the folks here. And I just, I think that's awesome. And I can't wait to see where that goes. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that, that's, you're absolutely right. Virginia and other places, like that was the standard. And we're like, why don't we have that? And, and now you have a group of folks up here that where North Georgia really is becoming a destination with bed and breakfast and yes. restaurants and the yes. dining scene. So people can make a vacation out of it. And I oh, hope they do. So what, uh, where can people find you? Do you do the social media for Yona or how can people follow along and what you're doing? <laughs> no, I handed that off to younger people than me, but we have Instagram, uh, just hashtag Yona Mountain Vineyards with an S. Uh, then we have our secondary label, which is called Young American. So that one's easy. It's just Young American Wine, and we have that one on lockdown, right? So anything is Young American Wine, that's us. And we have a new, even a second webpage. So we have a YonaMountainVineyards.com webpage, and we have a YoungAmerican.wine. And so both of those, they kind of communicate, and you can go online, and you can order tickets and order wine and have it shipped to you right through the website. 
Uh, we also have Facebook page, Yona Mountain Vineyards Facebook page. That's perfect. So people yeah. can really find out. They want people to come up from Atlanta to come explore. I think that's perfect. And I think one of the cool things that's new for this kind of year, didn't you guys just purchase a bunch of solar panels? Is that something that people can see when they come visit? Absolutely. Yes. We're, we just now had this huge push and uh, that was very important to me. That was close to my heart. We started the whole thing four years ago with when we built our first tasting room here on site we put in electric car charging stations. And so Teslas were coming and then we put solar panels on this house here to, to see, all right, is this going to work? Is this viable? So this house has 24 solar panels and a power wall. And so then just a month and a half ago, we turned them on. So we're the very first winery, probably the Southeast. We put in 360 panels and Amazing. it covers like anywhere from 60 to 80% of our annual use. So on a sunny day, we absolutely generate 100%. So we're our first 100% solar-powered winery. That's fantastic. So exciting. Yeah. So exciting. And people can see those panels when they're oh, coming yeah. in. It's, you're <laughs> yes. not going to miss it. You can't miss it, no. So come on up to see Vines, drink some world-class wine, hang out with really cool family. Love that you guys are present in there and even playing some music. Oh, yeah. um, come on up to North Georgia. It's a good time. Thank you so much for your time today, Eric. Great to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you. Let's go drink wine. Oh, yeah. Let's do it.